0: Father, what a significant time and activity this is for you. Father, sometimes we don't understand and we don't consider the significance of our gathering to hear from you concerning who you are and how you are and how you have made us to be yours and what does that mean to you so father we begin this morning by taking a moment to think about what this gathering means to you the cost of us being together this morning the cost to you the joy for you the honor and the glory that belongs to you as displayed in this what seems to be simple gathering And yet you have moved heaven and earth so that this gathering could occur within the context of your will. So, Father, as we meet this morning, as we meet each Sunday morning as we gather for service at 10 o'clock and so on, and there are other Bible studies, Father, may we... Remember primarily, not how it is for us, although that's important, but secondarily so, what this gathering is for you, how significant, how central it is for your eternal purpose of being glorified in a people. Who have been united to the glory of your son. Father. What a God. What a God you are. In Jesus name. And all of us will say. Amen. 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 Well this morning we're continuing with the. Attributes of God and. I will endeavor. If the Holy Spirit gives me the ability. To keep. Speaking about what he wants me to this morning to get through our notes today. And I want to just say a little bit this morning and maybe more in next detail, next week, more detail. <clears throat> this morning we begin to talk about a set of attributes it's going to be holiness, righteousness, justice, love. Those are the next four that we're going to talk about. And just to prepare you that these four, and many others, but remember, we're not covering everything. These four attributes, as with all the attributes, hey John, all the attributes of God. And this is so important to remember. And if you haven't remembered it, write it down. Because God is one in himself. Remember, three persons, but as one in his being. Because he is ase, what does that mean? What? Self-existent. Every attribute of God is equally and simultaneously contained in and functions within Every other attribute of God. There's no such thing as one attribute being more important than the others. I was reading the other day and the the teacher said the five most important attributes of God. Well, I understand what the teacher is trying to emphasize. But when you say that, I think immediately you have already created something in God that does not exist. So let's remember, when we begin to talk about particular attributes, especially as we begin today, it's going to be seen like, wow, this is significant. But not more so than every other attribute, amen? So this morning we're going to begin to speak about the attributes of God's character. And next week I want to talk a little bit about And make a distinction between the nature and the character of God. I haven't done that yet because we haven't come to the place. But I want to, I think, do that next week. These are the attributes that we experience. And that through which, the attributes through which God relates to us. And through which we can express. And I think you'll understand what I mean by that when we go on. None of that's in your notes. So hopefully you've taken a few notes down on that if you need to. So the first one we talk about. And I want to say something about this attribute which seems to contradict what I've just said. It doesn't but at least it may seem to. I want to begin with God's holiness. The holiness of God. And in the church today. I could be incorrect. But it seems to be. That in the church today. And let me say it this way. Too often. And even one time is too often. Too often. This attribute. Is not as centrally significant to the members of the church as it is to God. Did we hear that? It's not as centrally significant to us too often as it is centrally significant to God. So when we say the holiness of God, What are we talking about? There are two aspects of God's holiness that we need to understand and to know. Now, what comes in your mind when I say the holiness of God? His what? Hmm? His moral behavior, right? Moral behavior. (laughs) You did that. That's Well, the word Kedash, K-A-D-A-S-H. Is the Hebrew for holy? I'm not sure if I have it in your notes. I can't remember what's in your notes. The holiness of God has two meanings. And we need to know both of them because both of them are inseparable. Do you know what I mean by that? Can't be separated. For those of you who don't know who this man is, stand up, Shorty. This is Joshua Green. No, no. Thank you for being here. And by the way, if you're late, don't ever worry about coming in this class late. I won't embarrass you. Now, what were we talking about? Hmm? Oh, the inseparability of these two aspects of holiness. Now, listen to what I said. I said Inseparable. Now, Annabelle, what does that mean? Cannot be separated. And if they are separated, you lose the entire meaning. Correct? Do we have that? Okay, we understand that. The first thing, and it doesn't mean this is more important than the other ones, just mean the first one I'm going to talk about. Hold on. Cliff said you two are late. We are always late, baby. No, no. You remember I introduced her as, how did I, Susie. So do you remember her name? How many remember her name? Peggy. And her husband, Ray. Ron, help me to remember what we were talking about before I was rudely interrupted. John, you see what kind of class this is? This is a tough class to teach, babes. The inseparability. So I'm going to talk about one, and it doesn't mean it preempts the other. This is how we think, and we should not think that way. First of all, God is holy means that God is absolutely, completely, and forever separate from, other than, anything and everything in his creation forever. That there is not a single molecule in his creation, which can in any way, accurately, please listen to the English teacher's words, which can in any way, what, accurately display who God is. Oh, I know the heavens and the earth, what? What? Declare what? The glory of God. You're right. But God is not saying, my essence is displayed there, that you see my essence. No. These are very, very faint references, if you would, to who this God is. This God of ours is not like the gods of the creation. This God is other than everything and anything At any time forever of his creation. There ain't nothing in the creation that can accurately. Display who this God is. Do you see that? So he's other than different. That means that he is not a part of his creation. This is not pantheism. Who knows what pantheism is? What is, Michael, what is pantheism? The The belief that the creator, the divine, whoever, is a part of everything. So you can hug a tree, and when you do hug a tree, you're hugging the divine. Okay? Now, I don't want to burst bubbles in here, but husbands, that doesn't mean your wife is a divine person. (laughs) He's not a part of anything. He is everywhere and permeates everything with his presence. What does that mean? It's called omnipresence. But he's not a part of the tree, the flower, the chair. So, first of all, God is absolutely different. The second part of holiness is what? What we normally think about when we say God is holy or be holy as I am holy. What does that mean? His moral perfections, that God is morally perfect and pure, that there is absolutely nothing of sin or fault or failure, of inconsistency in God at any time, under any circumstance. Do we hear me this morning? Because, you see, we equivocate in these issues and we're not sure about these because we tend to evaluate or define God from what we understand and what we experience in life. Correct? I mean, how many of us know when something happens and we say immediately, well, that can't be God? How many of us, any of us have thought that? Or this is happening to me. Well, God can't be in that. Anybody? Anybody? Am I the only one who's ever thought this way? Liz, have you thought that way? Then raise your hand. Okay. Cody, have you ever thought that way? This can't be God. Well, you said that to me. Steve, have you ever thought that? Steve Roberts. (laughs) So you see our difficulty. We have a God. That we can only, even in our closest fellowship with him, that we can only in a minuscule way know him. I would say that other than the Lord Jesus himself, no man knew God more personally, more accurately, more experientially, more powerfully more continually than the Apostle Paul. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? But yet, what does Paul say, or what is his prayer in Philippians 3? Oh, that I may know him. Oh, oh, that I may know him. You see, Paul knows as close as Paul was in experiencing the father the son and the holy spirit as close as consistent that he experienced the presence of this god what is this prayer I don't know you, but just a little bit. And I want to know you so much more. Do you remember Moses? Same type of thing, right? Moses, who stood before God, who stretched out his staff all night, and the Lord caused the what? I think it was an east wind to blow across the water. And it part of the Moses who received the Ten Commandments from God face to face with God as far as you could be face to face. Seeing the glory of God pass before him. Remember that? And he says, show me yourself. Show me that I may know you. How does he phrase it? Show me your glory, I pray is well, as much as Moses knew God and interacted with, he was on the mountain for 45 days. For goodness sakes, do you remember that? He went up on the mountain. And 45 days he comes back. And when he's coming down the mountain and Joshua meets him kind of halfway or whatever up. Remember that? And there's a noise in the camp. There's a noise in the camp. And Joshua says, that's the noise of battle. Now listen to this. Moses has been in the face of God for 45 days. He ain't got a cell phone. There's no television. There's no radio. There is absolutely no communication to Moses in the natural sense. And what does Moses say to Joshua? It's not the noise of what? War. That's the noise of what? Sin. I mean, how does he know what that is? Wendy, how does he know? He's been with God. How does he know what's happening on the down, down below? He hadn't been there. How does he know it? Because he's been with God. And yet here's a man who will say. And I'll use Paul's words. Oh that I may know this God. Let me encourage you in this. To ask the Holy Spirit. To create in you. Listen to what I'm asking you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit. To create in you. The same kind of hungering and thirsting after knowledge of God that these two men had. So that you will find yourself from time to time having two thoughts, two desires, to whatever. an inexpressible gratitude to God for his grace amen and then a deep unquenched desire to know this God to know him to know him so let me encourage you strongly ask the holy spirit to create in you a the reality of the soul's need to know God. Evermore, evermore, evermore. Amen? To know him. Let me encourage you to do that. So God's holiness has to do with. Knowing and experiencing his moralness, his purity. And I believe this is probably one of the areas where the church is weak. Because here's what we do I, I've done it. To my chagrin, what does chagrin mean? Shame, embarrassment. To my chagrin, I still do it. Thank God, not as much, but I still do it. So something comes up that you've been doing and you enjoy and you whatever. And someone says, you know, that may not be the will of God. Oh, my goodness, he's stepping on my toes. And you say, well, no, it's okay because... The question is this, has God said anything about it? And then the challenge is this, will I be a man or a woman, a mom or a daddy or a young person who dishonors God by relegating his holy character to the place of my desires? Hmm. Do we do it or not? Come on, let's be honest, church. Come on. Thank you, Steve, for raising your hand. Thank you, Really, brother, thank you. Do we do this? Yes or no? You can reply. When a teacher asks a question, you're supposed to say something. We do do it. So that's something of the holiness of God. By the way, I think it was R.C. Sproul who wrote that great work. I think it's called the holiness of God. That may surprise you. And so here's a command that we see in the Bible. We see it in, in 1 Peter. We see it in Leviticus 11. It's the same command, just restated. I'll read it in 1 Peter. Just as God who called you is holy. Do we see, uh, uh, is this in your notes? Just as God who called you is holy, so what? You be holy. Now let me let me write that differently for you and put it in your notes. You be as holy as God is holy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. What's the criteria? I'll put it this way, for going to heaven. The criteria for being entering heaven is being as holy, as holy as God is. Now, you see, once we put it on that basis, which is the basis we see in this command, all of a sudden we realize, what do you realize, Charlie, Charles? you far, far away, brother. Come on. Let's get, join the class. Who feels good about that as far as who we are in the flesh? Who feels challenged about that like to say, "Oh my word, Don, you hear that? Oh, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be, I have to be as holy as God is holy. Do we understand that? Did we just hear that? Did you notice it doesn't say you should be a Catholic? doesn't say you should be a Methodist or Baptist or Buddhist. Did you notice it doesn't say anything like that? Because the basis of our eternal life is the very nature and character of God himself. May I hear an amen? amen? The basis of our ability and surety to be in heaven with God forever, Michael, is the nature and character of our God. So is it important to be in a class like this? Yes! Because you may be sitting in here being deceived that you're saved. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit may say, uh, <clears throat> right? Oh, man, interrupt you a second. You're not saved. He may say that to you for the purpose of saving you, not for the purpose of condemning you. Right, K? You see, this means that we are to be as holy as God himself. Now, how many of you, that makes you comfortable? Now, I want to emphasize this and bear down on this particular point. I want to bear down on this particular point of God's holiness. He is commanding us, and he commands everyone everywhere always, that if they are to be members of his kingdom. Michael, you listening? If they are to be members of this kingdom, Lloyd, did you hear what I said? If they are to be members of his kingdom, Phyllis, you got that? They must be as holy as God is holy. Now, does that challenge you? Because if I were to come in here this morning and say to you, Liam, good morning, how are you? Are you as holy as God is holy? Are you as holy as God is holy? Think about it. Are you as holy as God is holy? Have I caught everybody with my finger? Look, look. This is critical. It's not more important than the other attributes of God, but this attribute impacts us very differently than God's omniscience. Do you feel God's omniscience in your heart right now? (gasps) Do you feel God's holiness as a challenge? Here's the question: If I were to ask, are you as holy as God is holy? See, we have a bunch of young people in here. Thank God for the young people who are in here. Amen? Amen? Let's say thanks to God by clapping. We love you in here. We love you in here. We want you and your friends to be here every Sunday. Why? Because I would ask every Sunday. Uh, Cami, are you here, Cami? Okay, there you are. What would hap- What would you say? And you don't have to answer because... I asked someone else a moment ago, Liam, and he didn't really kind of answer. But if I were to say, are you as holy as God is holy? Are you as holy as God? Because if you're not, you're not going to heaven. Oh, well, I thought going to heaven was asking Jesus to come in. No, it isn't. It's not what the Bible says. He says you have to be as holy as I am holy. If you're going into heaven and if you're not as holy as God is holy, Nathan, if you're not as holy as God is holy, Clara, if you're not as holy as God is holy, Mike, if you're not as holy as God is holy, May, are you getting this this morning or you getting this? If you're not as holy as God is holy Moose, what's happening? You ain't entering heaven. That should cause us to ask one question. How what? Can I or do I become holy? Someone read the notes and is cheating. (laughs) How does this happen? I get frustrated with myself because I want to cover something else this morning and I don't know but I think that I, I'm, I don't apologize for bearing down on this why this is so fundamentally significant and I don't hear enough teaching and preaching in Christian circles today about this the foundational issue between us and God the foundational problem or challenge between us and God is that he is holy. What does that mean? Completely, absolutely, perfectly, pure. Without sin, fault, failure of any type. And we ain't. That means this that even one sin in my life committed just one time. Did you hear it? One sin committed one time will be the functional display that I am unholy. Oh, you're with me today. AJ, did you just hear what I said? Warren, did you get it? One sin... One time, and I am, you notice I said functionally because we're, you know, I am functionally unholy. One thing, Liam, you've ever done one thing wrong one time. You were unholy, functionally unholy. Everybody got that? So what is the problem? What in the world? Has to happen. So my unholiness is declared to be God's holiness. What has to happen? You may hear the echoes of the gospel. So what did I say? What question did I want to bear down on? What did I just say? Say it again. How can we be? How can an unholy people be holy? How can a holy God embrace me or you unholy? how can that happen that's a big question and it's a question that we need to answer accurately and clearly because it will help us to be able to examine ourselves as paul said in second corinthians thirteen 15, thirteen five. examine yourselves he's talking to the church and he says examine yourselves to see If or whether or not you are in the faith. In other words, examine yourselves. Those who say you're believers in the church. He's talking to the church. Examine yourselves to see if you're saved. And we almost rarely never do that because we say I'm saved. Why? Because, you know, what? Here's what I've seen over the years. I'm 80 years old. I have been saved, and this isn't patting on the back, just give you a reference. I have been saved since 1964. How many of you were not born in 1964? (laughs) Man, this is a strange group. (laughs) I have seen several youth groups. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, mamas and daddies, and you on TV. Listen to me, listen to me, and be afraid. I have seen several youth groups since I was a member of what we call the M.Y.F. the Methodist movement, youth movement. That goes back to the 1950s. Gene and I were members of the same church. I've seen a whole bunch of generations come through. That's the blessing of being old. Because I can tell you from personal experience of what I have seen. That there is a massive weakness and problem in the church today. Do I mean Lakeview? Yes. Do I mean other churches? Yes. I mean Lakeview Christian Center. I've been in the leadership team in this church for 45 years, and I still mean this church. I'm not talking about them, Ray. I'm talking about us who have led. You're a leader. Steve, you're a leader. You have other leaders in here. What have I seen? I've seen significant Fall away. Not from Christ. Fall away from what people thought they were saved because they were part of the church and they participated in the activities. Oh, you're listening to me, young people, at least, especially, but the rest of us. One of the most significant. Things we need to do as church members. And I don't know how well we're doing this. I am concerned. May I express a concern to you, Herman. You're a daddy. Wendy, may I express express a concern to you. Others of you. I am deeply concerned. That there are children in your family. Whom you would say, well, sure, he saved. Certainly, she saved. Man, you're in youth group every Wednesday night, you're singing in the choir, you're, you're doing around, you got great. That's not the question. And I have seen disaffection in large numbers over the years in each generation, I've seen it. And I hope to God that this generation that this church, I am wrong about this, Flo, but I have a great concern that I will not be. That there are youth in this church and in other churches that are sitting and experiencing and having a good whatever in this church that 20 years from now will not be walking in a way that manifests the presence of God Meaning either that they're not saved and were never saved or that they have really fallen away from their fellowship with God. Are you listening to me today, church? May I hear a yes or a no? Are you listening? Yes. I'm afraid for you. Todd, I'm afraid. How many kids you have? How many? Five. Glorious. How many of y'all in that family right now? Four. And others, Dan, I'm afraid, you minister continually. You and Kyle minister continually to what it's called? What is it called? Come on, l- loud. Wildlife. What does wildlife mean? You minister to the gospel to what group of people? Middle school, young people. Thank God for people like you and Kyle. Yes, you may say amen. amen. Men like that are out there. Seeking the sheep of God. And being used by the Holy Spirit to bring them into the fold. And then to keep them in the fold. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I'm concerned. In my own life how much. I am. May I put it this way. I'm concerned in my own life. Jody, of how much I am willing to be holy. Did that connect with you? Mm-hmm. Jan, did that connect with you? I am willing to be holy. Ben, are you listening to me? Next week, I don't apologize when I get righteousness this week. I can't get off. I can't get away from this. I want you to leave here today being overwhelmed, Hmm. overwhelmed with this God of ours. Having a deeper desire to know him than you have a desire for anything else in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to do that, develop it. And also a great concern that without holiness, what does Hebrews say to what? To, forgotten the verse. No one will see the Lord. Who? No one. Young people, I urge you. Do what the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourselves and examine one another. Older people, can you say amen to that? Examine your parents. Examine the leadership of the church. Let us be a church that continually examines ourselves as to the holiness and the reality and the function of God's holiness in us. Let us continually do that. Amen? Now, How does God make an unholy people holy? Next week we'll start talking about how that happens. And we will be here next week. Please come back. Please invite and encourage others who are not here and should be here. Please get them in here. Why do I press on this so much? Because it is of eternal significance. Just like you press on your kids and your family members and you were pressed on by your parents to study for the final exam. Thank you. Be next week.